When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Monday, May 3rd, two days before Cinco de Mayo, and a day after the LA Galaxy lost a tough one against the Seattle Sounders. It was a 3-0 defeat. We did not expect that. We expected a little bit more of a competitive game. We're here, we're here to talk about that, and we're also here to preview the LAFC El Trafico game this Saturday. Here joining me is Nikki K, LA Galaxy sideline reporter from Sports uh, Spectrum Sportsnet, and Andy Diosa from Yahoo. How you guys doing? Great. Happy almost Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Margaritas and tacos, right? Woohoo! I'm ready for it. <laughs> I know, sounds like sounds like every day here in Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> we got Taco Tuesday, then Cinco de Mayo, then El Chico. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun weekend for the tacos. I did have tacos Sunday when I was watching the other Galaxy uh, game, so I'm definitely gonna be tacoed up this uh, this week. So, um, but yeah, obviously we're here. We're here to talk. Uh, obviously, LA Galaxy, Nikki. I want to get into you real quick because I know you have a great sports background with the Dodgers, Lakers, right? Um, but people don't really know your soccer background. So can you tell us a little bit about like how long you've been with Spectrum Sportsnet and uh, your soccer background as well? well? Well, thanks so much, Gio. I'm so excited to be here. And first of all, it's um, it's a dream to be kind of covering this storied franchise and being a part of the Galaxy family. I think um, it's going to be a really fun season, especially after the start we've had. But uh, my, my background is I grew up in Santa Barbara, California. I played soccer. I played club soccer. I played high school soccer. Um, I was an out, outside midfielder, wasn't very skilled, but ran a lot, you know, so it's kind of like the energy piece, you know, maybe maybe what Ethan Zubak can. Well, actually, he's got he's got some good one on one uh, takes out there, but. Um, yeah, I, I grew up around the sport. I have so much respect for it. And I think that's really important uh, when you're covering this game, right? Because if you, you're you not a soccer fan, you hear a lot of people criticizing uh, kind of the game and the flopping and the theatrics of it. But if you have a respect for what the athletes are capable of, it's one of the most physically demanding sports out there. And um, I think that's so important when you factor in what goes out on the what goes on on the pitch. Um, so this is my first real coverage of a professional team here in the States. I uh, covered some LAFC last season, but um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so electric and it's fun. And from what I've seen from, from Gal- the galaxy universe so far, I can't wait uh, for the rest of this season. So it's going to be a blast. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about, you played soccer, right? Tell, yes. us, tell us a little bit about that and what position you played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, outside midfield and then sometimes I'd be uh, up attacking. I'm fast uh, and I'm I'm uh, pretty good at drawing penalties, too. So uh, and yeah, in high school, they'd, I'd, I'd 
Yeah, sub most of the time. So not uh, not too uh, dominant out there, but I, I did play all the way through senior year, and then I went to UCLA. I didn't play there. I played intramural soccer, but uh, a lot of friends on the soccer team there. So um, it's, it's fun kind of knowing the pipeline that UCLA also has for the Galaxy as well. So a lot of familiar names being floated around that um, I'm excited to kind of connect to from Bruins to the Galaxy as well. Yeah, no, it's exciting. And uh, I don't know. I don't think people knew that. I didn't know that. But that, that's exciting, right? Because I, when I hear you ask your questions, I'm like, she really knows her stuff, you know? Thank and you. You, do, you do a good job. And yeah, yes, really great questions. Uh, Andy, did you ever play? Did you ever play soccer? Like, obviously, growing up? Yeah, but like, uh, in high school, maybe in college? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I played in high school for a few years. And then in college, I played uh, more fun than anything uh, actually yeah. organized. But you know how it is one of those things growing up Hispanic is like, you never leave it. And I actually just got back into it recently here in L.A., which is cool, too, because I started playing oh, with pick up with it. And it's like, yeah, it's just like pick up and have fun. So it's, it's always a good time. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I was in Mexico City like about two months ago and we we're playing in the streets out there with my cousin and like out there, the elevation's like 7,000 feet high. And I was like out of breath, like one minute into the game. I was like, you know what? I don't I don't I don't think this is for me right now. <laughs> it's like that's where yeah. some of the most skilled you know, players you'll come across just naturally, right? Because they've grown up in that those elements and uh, very minimal um, resources, yet they're just dynamite athletes. Yeah, no, it, it was it was it was a fun time playing there with my ca- my cousins there. Uh, G Man says hi, Geo, and this, this guy G Man is is amazing. Uh, what what is what this words he goes, Geo Rich like the real leader like a Leo, the chosen one like Neo. Someone oh, he's got his Someone he's got his pedestal, man, and then he got one for Andy. He said hi, Andy, man, so dandy. Reminds me of my cousin Randy likes to eat candy. We need one for Nikki. Come on, G Man. Here we go. Here we go. Hi, Hi, Nikki Case. Smiling all day, especially during the month of May. They have some pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. He is the man. G-Man, that's what's up, my dude. And then he says, a Galaxy Guy podcast says, G-Man is the man. He definitely (laughs) is. Um, Yeah, no, so I just wanted to give a shout out to them. so I know we got to talk about this game. Let's let's talk about this game because I know we got we got we got a little bit short short on time. Um, so they 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 lost a tough one, right? It was three zero. I, I think I expected a little bit more competitive. I didn't expect them to get shut out or give up, you know, three goals. But I mean, just the way it went, Seattle Sounders really did their homework. I think one of the things that stood out to me was the LA Galaxy and Greg Vanny went went with the four three three formation. We've seen them play, I think uh, it was a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-2-1, one of those types of formations. But we haven't seen them play a 4-3-3. And I think also the, the players that got to start, uh, Derek Williams, Efrain Alvarez, and Fisher started at, at right back. Um, and then Araujo top. So it was a lot different from what we've seen in the first two games that they won. Andy, what were your overall thoughts on the, on the formation and, and how you saw this team line up? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I think when the lineup came out, it was a little bit surprising. Uh, but, hey, man, it's it's a league that you take risks. I don't know if, if uh, Galaxy fans will be happy that the risk came this early against a team like Seattle. But if you think about it, Greg Vinny has talked about he hasn't really – the team is not fully all put together yet. So I think it's a good time as early in to kind of mix around and see what you have, what you can work with. And um, obviously at halftime he, he realized that maybe he had, uh, you know, not, not – put it together the way he wanted to, and then he made those subs that he did. But altogether, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea because he's still missing a few pieces. Obviously, Leggett is not in there, and that's a solidified starter. So I think it's a good time to, to really experiment with that. 
it didn't work out the way that he wanted to. But once again, we're talking about a Seattle team here that is it's is top of the league. So even if he would have gone with whatever eleven that he wanted to, you're not necessarily uh, guaranteeing that the team would have played better. Like we talked about, I think a few weeks ago, Seattle makes it tough when they play that back line of three, and then all of a sudden it turns into five, and then it shifts back to three. So it's it's not an easy team to play against, and I'm I'm not against the fact that he tried. I mean. We know Efrain Alvarez is a great player. He needs those minutes, even if it's a short time. Uh, same thing with Araujo, just kind of pushing him upfield, see what he could do. So, yeah, I mean, I think that when you're a team that has the luxury of having a decent bench and, and players on that bench that could come in and, and fit, fill in those roles, um, it's it's really a, a good thing. So let Greg experiment now until he finds out what he really wants to work with in the in the crunch time part of the season. Yeah, you you make a great point uh, on experience early. I think the, to me though, the thing interesting thing is like Ethan Zubak. He had been playing so well, and I, I and I I just didn't know why he he didn't play because you saw him play come in in the second half and impact the game. But Nikki, what, what were your overall thoughts on the lineup and uh, and the team how they started off? Yeah, well, I think you know if we're going to commend Coach Vanny for being able to make adjustments on the fly that result in wins, you also have to understand that that's going to be his strategy moving forward in the season. And sometimes it might not always have the outcome because he is tinkering. He's got a lot of moving parts coming in. But what I understood from talking to him and the players after the game was that you know there's just a lot of gaps, a lot of disconnects, whether it be mentally and a physical disconnect between the midfield and that back line, which you know doesn't help when there's there's already a defense that's working on um, kind of having the right judgment at the right time. What I what really stood out to me was that Coach Bay says, you know, when it when it comes to these goals that this team is surrendering, it's that the the defense isn't making the right decisions on what to sacrifice and what risk to make first. So that leaves them chasing the ball and then kind of behind the play, and then you get two quick goals in three minutes, and you're chasing the entire time. And then I think as far as the attack goes for what we saw against Seattle, it's like that th- those five deep are so disorienting. And then, you know, it prevents the balance or it, it uh, shakes up the balance of what the guys are trying to accomplish out there. And, you know, when you have new guys in new positions trying to be able to get the ball across to the other side, it just adds one more variable. So I think what unfortunately happened is like the perfect storm of like, new people in new positions trying to have that mental capacity and then also against a really tough veteran Seattle team. But ultimately, if you're going to want to learn, you're going to learn more from losses. And that's what, you know, you don't know what you need to fix until it's exposed like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Vanny after the, you know, after the game, he, he took it all upon himself. And that's, that's why I like, you know, he, he, you know, he, he is the leader right of that locker room. And we've seen those videos and he, he owned up to it. And, you know, he's like, Hey, I tried something, you know, it's something that we're not going to do again. And, you know, I'm just paraphrasing here. And then, you know, he really owned up to it. I, I think to me also, it's, it, it, it's, um, I, th- I thought it was interesting to start a Rajo at the right wing, because I said like Ethan Zubak, I just felt he's a better option. And, Araujo, as we know, he he's a defender or, you know, at times he'll play the wing. But I, I think Ethan Zubak in the first three games, he, he's earned that right. But if Greg Vanny's going to, you know, try things out, I guess better try things early now. Um, but we'll, I think we'll see moving forward because I, I think you had asked him about the 4-4-2 formation. And I think that's what they went to in, into the second half. And instantly, right, 10 minutes in, they, they made kind of a impact there. So it's interesting what, what we'll see uh, moving forward. Um I was I was just gonna say, um, 
So we we saw in, in the second half, you put in Nick Dupuis, Ethan Zubak, and then Sasha Klesman. Um, right? He he scrapped the plan what, what he initially went yeah. with, and then he's like, you know, this is not working. Let's bring in Sasha. Let's begin Ethan and Nick Dupuis. Uh, what were what were your thoughts on once you saw those? And, and the, to me, to me, the team looked completely different in the second, the first ten minutes. What were your thoughts, Andy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh no, no. I just think they they came in immediately and set a different tone of energy, and you can really sense that with Ethan too, and his chemistry with Chicharito out there, knowing what runs to make, knowing. Um, and I think we heard Vanny during the game even discuss how they they weren't shifting the field they wanted to the way they wanted to on the attack. So he probably he recognized that and made the adjustments he thought he needed to at halftime. Unfortunately. You know, when you're trailing 2-0 and you're, you know, already facing a tall task and, you know, a back line of five, it's going to be it's it's going to be a a grind and a slugfest. And it just wasn't they weren't able to get the job done. Yeah, definitely. I think that they they brought in good energy. And and it's it's interesting what you say about Zubek, because I feel like for some capacity, Vandy kind of wants him to be a sub to kind of give that boost when he needs it instead of like throwing him out there in the initial starting 11 and then perhaps that not working out and then him being like, okay, now what I really do. So it could be a position of like, Vandy's really trying to tinker with that at the same time. But once again, you have the luxury of bringing a player like Sasha Kleshton into a game that is the experienced vet around the league that really understands what's happening there. And to me, for my calculations, and I think this is going back to the end of last year, Nick Dupuis has been one of the Galaxy's best defenders. And it's probably not a hard place to get to the way that they played last year. But, like, the first two games he played really well. Like, he showed he showed a lot. So, I mean, obviously you're not going to uh, necessarily just burn these players out and throw them out there every game. But defend, the, the defense is obviously what they're trying to fix, right? It's, it's been the big talking point. And that's why you see that there's so many players available. So, once again, Greg is just trying to figure that out. So, yeah, they did bring a new energy in. But I think the Zubac and Ticharito thing is is something that's gonna it's gonna keep coming around and it's gonna really force Vanny to decide whether he wants to play with those two up top from the beginning or not. Yeah, no, I think that that's that's gonna make it very interesting. Uh, quickly in the chat, Danilo Castellano said experiment didn't work. Yeah, unfortunately, it did it. Um, you know, I mean, I, like I said, they found out early that hey, maybe this is not the way to go. But I think also like. This team has a lot of depth, and you know, like you mentioned about Nick Dupuy, I, I was surprised he didn't start um, because of what we've seen. Obviously, we know they they given up goals, and then Derek Williams. Obviously, we're not in practice; we don't know who's in shape. Craig Vanny knows who's in shape, and obviously, a lot of people speculate like Derek Williams and the new signing. I think Kubli. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, they're expecting that those two are going to be the starters, right? But I, I think what he mentioned that 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 a lot of the like the the right wing left wing defenders uh, pushed up and kind of left the, the center backs alone. And, and that's how the counter attack. And I just, I just have the first goal here from, from the Seattle Sounders. If we, if we, I'm just going to play real quick. Ruin trying to reverse it. Smith got inside of O'Neill Fisher, Brad Smith. Rui Diaz. First time Sounders take the lead. So if you if you see the run, uh, Raul Rudy Diaz is such a small, a smart player, and, and the type of run he he cut back and then just first timed it in there. Uh, I think it, he knows how where the ball was going to go. Then I think I, I asked Sasha after the game about like you know was the pitch uh, if, did it affect him? He said it didn't affect him, but I felt like it did affect some of the players because 
this is true home field advantage for the Seattle Sounders because the way the ball spins, how fast the game is. And I feel like the Seattle Sounders know how to dictate the game a lot better because they know where those the gaps are going to be and they know where the players are going to be. And I think that was the biggest challenge. I know Greg Vanny had talked about. And I think once they went out down 2-0 in the first half, like there were opportunities there, but I, I never felt like, okay, they're, they're really in it unless they were able to score. Did you guys feel that way? Yeah, well, it's it was really interesting to me because even before the game, Coach was talking about the thing that he really wanted to see from this defense was an emphasis on proactive communication, right? And that has um, that's magnified, especially when you're there's gaps and you're chasing the ball, like you you said on those plays right there, and you have to wonder maybe Nick being a, a veteran member on this team and, and a member of that back line out there, his absence uh, might've affected the dis- disconnect and communication. But I do think that, especially when you've got new faces in, in a unit like that, that the need um, for a leader and a clear voice is very important. And so I can only imagine that it's, it's very um nuanced when you're trying to figure out especially in the flow of a game like that with with new personnel 100% and I think that's 100% the reason why Vanny said the, the things that he said after the game where there's just noticing the moments that you can't take certain risks because you're leaving certain spots open or it's just the, the development of, of those minds and once again does fall back into having a leader on the field and, and making sure that that it stays composed and uh, a back line is not something to really mess around with too much. I think if you look around the league, you're going to see teams Great. that have a solidified back line and you know who's going to be in those spots, give or take. So that's, once again, going to put that pressure on them. But you're, you're talking about a new unit that's that's really trying to figure out how to play together. Uh, a tough task, obviously. Not a, I mean, not a really easy opening schedule, if we're being honest, uh, going down to South Florida for the opener. And then the Red Bulls always pose a, a pretty uh, a tough a tough game too so you know it's it's uh you know you give and take a little bit right they started great but defensively it's going to be okay we need to get this down before anything and then we can move forward and say hey what are we going to do with the midfield because I think you look at that and you see Lejay obviously is a solidified mm-hmm. starter there as Joe Nye is as Vasquez has been too so then you're able to like kind of move forward there and then be like okay now what are we going to do with the attack but defensively it's it's where the pressure is and where you're going to have to find out who's really going to solidify the spots yeah, no, we have a comment right here from Galaxy Guy Podcast. He's like, we can give Derek Williams the benefit of the doubt. He only played 10, 10 league games last year. He was injured most of 2020. The Galaxy acquired him at the tone of his rehab. And I agree. I would agree to your point as well because the back line, understand it's experiment, but is is Araujo going to be the starter at right back or not? You know what I'm saying? Or is it going to be O'Neill Fisher? Because you're, you talk about that, 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 that experience with each other, knowing each other. And I think that's one thing you want to lock in. Granted, they've given up seven goals in three games, right? That, that you don't you, you don't want to see that, but they've won two of those games. The math doesn't really add up, right? Uh, so it's, 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 it's interesting, right? But I, but I think I think it's going to be uh, interesting who goes with uh, against the next game because I think, you know, who has a better relationship right now? We know who looks good on paper, but who looks better as a relationship? Who's talking with Jonathan Vaughn? Who knows where to be where? Who knows, uh, you know, who has that experience? And I think, and I think he mentioned that Derek Williams also picked up some type of an injury and that's why he subbed him out at halftime. I wonder if, if the turf did a little bit, was part of that. I know we, we also saw Chicharito, um, but I also want to talk, talk about Chicharito's performance. Um, 
he only had a couple service, maybe one that was dangerous, and I think it was deflected. So in two, you're right. In two games, he had five goals, but in this game, he, he was limited chances. That the opportunities weren't really there for Chicharito. He didn't necessarily have have a bad game, but he didn't have a good game. And I think the credit goes to the Seattle Sounders, Brian Smith, on the job they did on him, and they they scouted him. I think the the broadcast was talking about one of the assistant coaches is one of Chicharito's friends or something like that, and they've been following him, so they know how to how to how to defend against him. Uh, what, what were all of our thoughts on how Chicharito performed, Nikki, and obviously the defensive job that the Seattle Sounders did? Well, I think I, I think his his performance is kind of, you know, the pinnacle of the whole attack, right, from the Galaxy. It just was completely discombobulated, and that comes when you've got that stout Seattle defense right there. And, and like you said, the scouting job was excellent. And then also you got a back line of five, and when you can't shift the ball from one side of the field to the other, uh, you can't really create those spaces for Chicharito to make his runs and get in those scoring positions that he's been so lethal in finishing. Um, so I think when the setup isn't there he won't be able to finish so it's it's not maybe so much a referendum on his performance is just kind of the whole uh, the whole shebang in terms of what the attack was able to accomplish because we didn't we didn't see much of a threat from the galaxy I think in the entirety of the game yeah no it's 100% spot on I mean if you think about it I don't think Seattle was when they see the lineup that they're presented against they're probably not thinking okay we have to worry about Julian Araujo really being a threat in the 18, no offense to him. But it's like, once again, you're thinking about Sebastian Legette not being on the field. Sebastian Legette gives the team a whole different mm-hmm. dynamic when it comes to attack. It's a player that you have to account for when he's in those attacking areas. So for Chicharito, it's kind of like, hey, man, I'm out here on the island. You know, what? Uh, what's going on here? Like, could I get some help? And, you know, I'm getting mauled. And we already know that Seattle's defense is, is great. So it's uh, it's tough for him because at the end of the day, we know the type of player he is. He's been this type of player his whole career. He's not gonna. He's not gonna give you a play from middle of the field and go and run and score himself. That's not the type of striker that he is. So he does need those services and that help from his teammates, and that's obviously what was lacking. But as you mentioned, once you go down that quickly, it changes everything. And I think that they felt that pressure. I I did like watching his off the ball movements, and he's he's getting into the places that he wants to. And I mm-hmm. think it's the culmination of getting his teammates to realize, hey, instead of doing this move, do this move, and. The difference is that you'll see him talking to the players and tell them that. And that's the part that the Galaxy were lacking in, in the past few years where the disconnect never really amounted to something. Now it seems like, okay, let's work at this is the space I want the ball. Or I'm going to do this when you do that. So um, it's, it's a learning process. But, hey, man, like it's it's once again, you start with those five goals in two games, the expectations are going to be super high as if they're not always already with him. So I think, you know, we're not going to fault him for, you know, that, that one game. And that ball was definitely touched by Nuhu. I mean, I think if that ball falls cleanly, he puts that in the back of the net uh, 10 out of 10 times, not even 9 out of 10 times. So, uh, yeah, he's it's it's a, it's a tough game for him, and, and another one is coming up too. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Like I mentioned, if they if they put Zubak back in the mix with him or they use him as a sub. Yeah, you're right on that because it's all, it's all about the service with him. And I mean, mentally, physically, he's in shape. We know we don't worry can do, but I think – the Sounders did a tremendous job on limiting the opportunities for Chicharito and for the LA Galaxy. They they just made it tough, and you saw just that one opportunity, and nothing kind of came out of that ever ever since that opportunity, right? So, I'm interested to see like for the Galaxy if teams do try to like limit Chicharito, right? What he can do? Who else is going to step up, right? Who else is going to be the, the winger uh, to be able to step up? And uh, we have a great question uh, here from Jonathan G. He says, "Overall thoughts on Samuel Grant, sir." I think 
for me, he, he's still understanding his teammates. Uh, I think it's been a little bit challenging for him. I don't know if he's in full game shape. Uh, we, we've seen him be, be subbed out. Um, he did have an opportunity. I do have that clip. Uh, it was from Jonah Rajo. It's about five seconds on the play. So it was very quick. We saw that that was a pass came from uh, uh, Efrain Alvarez. I think Efrain Alvarez had about two two good two good passes. That was one of them. Uh, what were your thoughts on that opportunity for Samuel Grand Sir and, and your thoughts on uh, his performance yesterday, Andy? Yeah, I think um, it's definitely a, a part of an adaption process. I mean, he's coming to a completely different country and just trying to get acclimated to you know the team itself and the country itself, but. I mean, you play that clip. That's a clean first touch, man. That's a that's a top notch first touch right there. It, it happens very fast. So I think you know, there people are expecting a lot from him, and the position that he's in, it's it's a tough one because you're you're talking about a winger, and you you kind of need him to be more of a a threat in the, in the areas and score goals. But at the same time, you need him to be physical and win those battles. Which I think I have seen the part that I like the most about him is that he is physical on the ball and he's and he's challenging uh, you know the opposition to to win these these battles, but. It's going to take time, and I, I keep thinking back about it. It's like that team right now with Christian Pavon on that wing would be a, a completely different dynamic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Obviously not that player, but it's like if you try to compare, oh, maybe we need this and that. So um, I think I think people just have to be a little patient with him. I mean, well, we're talking about three games in, um, and and like I said, a new, a new place that he's at, a new change of scenery. Um, I think a little bit more patience because I feel like uh, people are being a little harsh, and I'm like, I've seen for the first three games, I've seen a pretty decent stuff about him, and I think that um, it's once again just finding that next attacking piece for the Galaxy that is going to help ease a little bit of the pressure off Chicharito. Yeah, and the, unfortunately, they don't have the other DP, Kevin Cabral, right? You know, Greg Vanny had talked about, you know, the, there's issues with paperwork issues. So, unfortunately, he's not going to be available for for the LAFC game. Uh, that's what we assume. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. You got to give uh, um, Samuel Grantzer some time. Uh, it's three games in, you know, he doesn't even speak English. So Sasha is uh, translating for him. Yeah. So I, I think you just got to give him a little bit of time. There's nothing wrong with him. It, it's going to take some time, but, and you also can't compare him to, to Pavone. I don't think anybody should make that comparison. Pavone, it's an amazing player and a grand sir. We know that he's fast and we know that he has a great touch. Just got to give a little bit more time. Uh, moving on. I, I want to talk about obviously Greg Vanny after the press conference and he talked, this is a quote you said, uh, this is a bit of reality check. We are better than what we showed today. Um, Nikki, tell me over our uh, thoughts on uh, Greg Vanny, how to me it seems like he's very honest and and he tells you how it is. Yes, I think the players are responding really well to the culture he's um, working to establish in this clubhouse, right? And I, yeah, I think Sasha even followed that up yesterday, saying, you know, when it what it means when Greg sits up there first and saying, "I own, I own it, I own this loss," and Sasha says, "Well, he's our leader, and we stand behind him as our leader." So I think that everything we're hearing from the players, even in terms of their respect of the tactical adjustments he's making in the course of a game. And yeah, maybe this, this match wasn't what, uh, wasn't what the doctor ordered, but he's getting the respect of the players. And um, that's everything because that means they're going to go out there and give their all uh, no matter what position they're put in, no matter what substitution they're making. And I think that the fact that he stepped up, and owned, you know, where he could have been better shows the the men who are falling in line behind him that, hey, all right, we we believe what this guy is trying to accomplish here. Yeah. Andy, your thoughts on Greg Vanny? 
Most definitely, man. I agree on all that. I, I wrote last week after the Red Bulls game that, uh, you know, Chicharito obviously deserves the headlines, but you have to give props to, to Vanny and, and really give him the credit that he deserves because it's been talked about, the culture change, and he – the thing is that he's the one that really started talking about it, which is what's more impressive. It wasn't like the players came out right away and were like, hey, this is a new world. Like, forget what happened last year. He was the one that said from preseason. It's step-by-step. Step. The first step is, is building the culture and getting them to buy in. And then the second step is them actually fighting for that. And then we can move forward. And I think in this quick time he's done that, you know, you've heard all these players say that when you have people like Kleshin coming out, like Jonathan Dos Santos coming out that are leaders, natural leaders, that are players that have played around the world, it really does speak a lot, uh, speak volumes to what he's able to accomplish. I mean, it's been great. He's an experienced head coach in the league, obviously has a lot of respect. Uh, they brought him back to the Galaxy for a reason, had him been part of that franchise as a player previously. So, Jonah said it, he lets them feel free. And I think that's the most important part. He's just letting them feel free and, and play their roles on and off the pitch, which you're seeing the attitude change translate. But along the lines of him coming out and, and being uh, responsible and, and taking blame for certain things is going to go further than anything else. Because I think the problem with the Galaxy in the last few years with uh, Guillermo was that there was never much of that criticism that when things went wrong, he was the one to say, hey, this happened or this happened. It's just oh, well, you know, maybe we'll get better next game. Or, oh, you know, maybe that wasn't, wasn't you know, the best the best game for this person. It's like, no, you have to be able to, as a coach, as a player, be able to realize that there's moments that it's all right to be critical and say, hey, I was terrible today or this was a bad decision. The same mm-hmm. way Bob Bradley said when he pulled Carlos Vela at halftime of that first game, it's like it happens. It's part of a sport. It's part of anything. So I think Vanny being able to to come on and, you know, take, I guess, quote, unquote, the heat for that is is just it's a great sign to see. And, just from us being in the press conferences and, and listening to him and, spe- and speaking to him, it's like it's very refreshing to hear coaches do that because I think that it progresses the game in a long, long way, and, and it's easier for you to analyze what's really at the root of the problem. And to, oh, I was going to say to build on one thing that Andy was saying in terms of the the praise from the players, right? We were talking to Jonathan Bond before the season even started, and his first impression of the MLS was how tactically advanced it was, right? And that comes from working under the system instilled by Coach Fanny. So um, he really is setting that standard uh, inside the MLS, but also earning the praise of players who have played overseas and like Jonathan Bond, who's actually been standout for this club so far as well. Yeah, that, that was actually my next point. Mm-hmm. And just to add on to that, you know, when you have Sasha Klesman say he's our leader, we're going to follow him. It's, you know, that that's all you have to say. And, you know, the guys believe in him. We we feel like he's being transparent. He owns up with it. And when you're accountable, it, it just builds that relationship. Quickly, Total to Galaxy waves. Hello. G-Man says good vibes. <laughs> and he says, honestly, the Galaxy are missing the magical powers <laughs> of the scarf. <laughs> when, when did he talk about the scarf? Like two, two games ago when he said it, it's like he's going to bring it back out. But when the weather allows, I'm like, it needs to be now because the weather in a few months is not going to allow for a scarf. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, G man. Um, so yeah, so um, you you brought up Jonathan Bond. I, I don't. I feel like Jonathan Bond has been playing great. Unfortunately, the stats are not going to show that. Right, seven goals against, and I'm not sure if you can blame all seven goals uh, against uh, Jonathan Bond because when he's left one on one, and I think one of those was a penalty. Like. Can you really blame Jonathan Bond for that? I don't think so. But we've seen him when he has had opportunities to stop, uh, you know, defenders. He was getting blasted yesterday. I mean, he was getting blasted. And also he would, he and the Galaxy were lucky because I feel like Seattle Santos should have had like five or six goals. Um, but give us your thoughts, Nikki, on Jonathan Bond's performance. Unfortunately, it's seven goals against him. But, but what were your overall thoughts? 
I've been really, really impressed. And, you know, there's a sense of security you have as, as a fan of a, you know, a side when, when your keeper is just that good. And uh, he's been, I mean, the goals don't show it, but he actually is leading the MLS in saves right now. So he's been put under fire, which you don't really want for your keeper, right? You don't want them to be put under that much pressure, but um, he's been really, really impressive. And, you know, just getting to know him too through the media interactions that we have. Uh, I think he's quite frank and honest with how the the team's doing. And um, I I appreciate what he has brought to the the team. So I, and I understand that in the past couple of seasons, uh, the galaxy keeper position hasn't been the most stout of, of roles. Right. So um, I, I think fans should be pretty pleased with, what he's accomplished so far Andy yeah I think Bond has been probably the brightest spot to me of this Galaxy team I mean if you think about preseason he's coming into a team that he's not even necessarily the starter I mean I don't think that in the beginning of the preseason we were just automatically counting him in as the as the number one there still had Klinsman in the mix and there were still things to work out which is what the preseason is for but he's been incredible he's been incredible and I said it I think from the opening game down in Fort Lauderdale I'm like I don't know if this is a good problem for the Galaxy to have, but he's going to be in the goalkeeper of the year conversation. And I'm going to say that from game one. Like I, I can already tell like, the qualities that he has and the type of saves that he makes and the energy that he brings. Um, when, when you have a keeper that's, that's, uh, that brings that type of energy, it goes a long way as well. You don't, like, there's a lot of keepers that, you know, they're, they just kind of quiet and not to say any names, but they just kind of go under the radar. But Bond has spoken to the media. He's, he's like you said, he's been very transparent. And um, I think he's, he's fitting in well with the team. He sees a big opportunity. He knows that it's a challenge. And I think that that challenge is driving him towards the success that he's having. I mean, sure, those seven goals, the, the, the numbers are going to say what they say. But if you watch the team game after game, it's like he's he's making some incredible saves. And uh, it's I feel like that's that's for him personally a good thing and for the Galaxy as well. I mean, it's going to motivate him and the defense's relationship to get a little better, as well as motivate the defense to kind of help him out more the way that he's helping out the team. Yeah, no, I think one thing about Jonathan Bond, you know, he's such a vocal leader on the pitch and what, what brings on, right, and how he's able to talk to his teammates. The, the other thing is, right, it's, it's unfortunate for him he has seven goals, but I just want to see how he moves forward because he has to know that he's doing a great job. I mean, if, if he doesn't see that, I'm pretty sure. I, I, when you're a goalkeeper and you're getting scored that much, you must be like, dang, man, like what else can we do, right? But I think you want him moving forward. I don't know if it's going to be against LAFC, but to have a clean sheet, you know, and that, that comes from the whole team. That doesn't just come from Jonathan Bond. So interested to see where, where that defense uh, comes in next week. So obviously talking about, you know, LAFC, talking about El Trafico, which is a Saturday. It's an exciting match. It's, I, it's the biggest rival in MLS. I, I think it may be the, one of the biggest rivalries in Los Angeles. I know some people may argue that. But, I, I mean, being at the games, be, I, I know, Nick, you still haven't been to an El Trafico. Or, or I haven't been to an El Trafico. I'm you so haven't been excited. to a full capacity. Unfortunately, you're going to be to, mm-hmm. what, 20 30%. But, I mean, these games are amazing. I've been to every sports sporting event in Los Angeles, and I think this rivalry is the best. I know people will talk USC, UCLA, but – when you see the passion and everything, when it's full capacity, whenever that happens in California, it, it's an amazing experience. So it's a tough matchup. Uh, the LA Galaxy come from a, you know, the LAFC, excuse me, come from a, a tie. The LA Galaxy come from a 3-0 defeat. So this is a game, obviously, both teams want to get points. Both teams want to win. You, you don't want to l- leave a goose egg or leave a point on, on the board, right? So if you're the LA Galaxy, Nikki, how are you approaching this game against the LAFC? 
Well, it starts with the defense, right? It's you've got to shore up those those communication breakdowns. Um, you've got to tighten up those gaps between the midfield and the back line uh, because this LAFC attack is fast and furious and there's not going to be room to be chasing the ball. So um, I would hope, or, you know, if that's, if that's where you're going to make a point of emphasis this week, as it was last week with the, you know, proactive communication amongst the the back line, it's, it's gotta be tighter and sharper. Um, and you know, that's going to be once again, brought under fire facing the LAFC. So. Yeah. Andy, what, what are your thoughts? What do you think the, the galaxy have to do? I said, let's get weird. I say Vinny gets weird. He throws Zoo back out there as a starter from the beginning. He puts a Rahul back at right back. He gets the pre back in the game. And this is the thing that the, the this league is very unpredictable, and especially this rivalry, it, it's very – you never really know what's going to happen. So there needs to be a sense of something. It can't It can't just be, okay, I'm going to scrap what I did the last game and then go back to what I did against uh, Red Bull or against Inter-Miami. Because I've said this before, when you have these type of games, it's really m- much so about the, the coaching chess match. And Bob, as well as Greg, they like these moments where they get to challenge themselves against these these high-caliber coaches around the league and really see – what they could do, what they could change to make it challenging. So I think for for uh, the Galaxy, it's obviously like Nikki says, make sure the defense is is uh, grounded. But then again, I'm like I keep saying, you get Legit back into this lineup, it, it gives this team a completely different look. So if you get Legit back in the lineup, now you're working with that midfield that you already have. Maybe throw Zoo back up there as a as a starter, then you're kind of giving a different look that nobody has really seen besides, I guess, the second half of the Miami game. So it's like, you know, you could tinker with that a little bit and see what what advantage the Galaxy could give themselves in that end because it's 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 never easy when when uh, these two teams play, so that's for sure. And one yeah. thing that really really stuck out to me too that Sasha said after after the loss to Seattle was that uh you know, he he didn't seem too concerned and also, you know, realizing that a loss was a great opportunity to learn. But he said that he thinks that when you come into a big match like that, you got to come in with a little bit more of an edge and mm-hmm. make more of an effort to win those duels, those 50-50 balls, those headers. And I think that if there's any match to get up for, it's El Trafico. So uh, this could be the spark that, you know, the team needs to uh, to kind of reignite that fire. Yeah, and no, right, great point on that on the edge because you're gonna have to have to bring the edge against this team because right we know the history we know the rival we know how intense it gets and this could be potentially the the first match of, of Chicharito versus Carlos Vela if Carlos Vela is healthy right and we we didn't see that last year because Chicharito was unavailable but if we finally have that that opportunity to see both Carlos Vela and Chicharito and the way Chicharito is and and the way Carlos Vela you know has been able to show he he can score goals right I, I think this could be potentially a high scoring affair right and if you have both both lafc and la galaxy at their full potential with legit coming back in what are, what are your thoughts on uh the carlos vela versus chicharito matchup andy man it would be great if it actually happens i've been waiting for it since last year i've <laughs> talked about it enough um it'd be amazing it'd be amazing it's unfortunate that it would be i guess really carlos vela's first game considering when he played what those 20 minutes in the opener but um i had think i had mentioned it to you before if if LAFC was really smart, and I, I'm assuming this is what's happening. I don't know any inside information. They hold Carlos Vela out for the two games that they did, Seattle and Houston. That was a given, the way that he went out from the opener um, against Austin and the way it looked. And I said, you know, if they're really about their business, he'll be back He'll be back on the field for that Galaxy game. So 
I think that uh, Bob has said he hasn't been in full training, but I feel like that's just a way of like kind of saying, you know, he's there, but he's not there yet. Um, if, if the injury is really more than it than it seems to be, then it's just a little not whatever he said. Then of course you hold him out because you don't take those risks. But it would be a great matchup to finally see those two together on the field. I think the broadcast said the first, the last time they played against each other was in a uh, Champions League in 2013. Wow. Uh, so that that's just even just thinking about that, it's like it's always uh, storylines, but. It's a it's a different rivalry. It's not it's not what we got when it was Latan and, and Vela. It's 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 more. It, I don't want to say it's friendly because I feel like none of this is friendly when the when the you know when the ball's rolling. But it kind of is. It's gonna be like, hey, this is my this is my buddy. Like, let me try to one up him. And these games have never let us down. So there's gonna be moments. There's gonna be goals. Like there's gonna be something that happens that it's like, okay, your turn now. Let me see what you got. So it would be amazing to see if it does happen for sure. Nikki, what are, what are your thoughts on seeing uh, Carlos Vela and Chicharito match up for the first time? Uh, you know, I I don't want to put the the horse ahead of the right, cart ahead of the horse, right? But it's it's I mean, just everything I've heard about these matches in El Tráfico, uh, and you put two stars on the field of that magnitude, and and I think what you're mentioning about Zlatan be, being on the pitch before Andy is it's you're right, it's a little bit. Um, it's a different type of star, right? And I, I think what everything we've heard from this Galaxy side is that this is such a team culture right now. And Chicharito has had a really strong start to the season already. So his narrative is com- coming in as different. And if Velas is, uh, is healthy, you know, it, it really sets the table for all the narratives and um, all the showmanship. So I, you know, it's what dreams are made of, but uh, hopefully, hopefully we get a clean bill of health from both guys. <laughs> How many goals do you think Chicharito will score, Nikki? Oh, three is my lucky number. So I, I think we need another <laughs> <laughs> There we go. If Chicharito yeah. isn't listening, you got to score three goals. Andy? That's the thing, man. Like we're forgetting that this guy scored five goals in well now three games, and he's he's, he's leading the Golden Boot race. So that gives a whole added incentive to like Avela's coming back, trying to fight back to get to that position. It's like okay, we really need to get these goals going. And Chicharito too. Chicharito knows in his head he's not going to say, "Hey, I want to win this this Golden Boot." But the way that he started, he's going to definitely want to defend that all the way. Give me a goal from Chicharito in the traffic, but at least one, at least one. Yeah, we, we definitely need that, and, and I think that's what's been missing there. Um, so we're just going to wrap things up here, guys. It's been a great show. just want to shout out to Galaxy Guy Podcast. Um, mm-hmm. He said, please, Lord, listen to Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Jesus has made Nikki be right. <laughs> there we go. So, that, I mean, that's what we're hoping. It's going to be an exciting game this Saturday. Hope to see you guys there. Uh, before we let you go, Nikki, let the people know where they can follow you and reach oh, out thanks. to you. Well, first of all, thank you so much, you guys. This has been such a pleasure. And I'm seriously, every welcome, every introduction into this galaxy universe has been so great. And I, I can't say it enough. I'm so excited for this season. Um, but if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Nikki K S N one for spectrum news one and on Instagram, um, Lil dot Nikki dot K. So L I L dot Nikki dot K, but I'm really excited for more galaxy content coming forward. And if there's anything that fans or you guys uh, need or want to hear from me, always let me know. But I'm, I'm really thrilled to, to have popped on tonight. So thank you. Yeah, you have a fan. They're like, no, four more hours. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Andy, uh, let the people know where they can reach you and follow you. Yeah, man. Same thing. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Great talking to you, Nikki. Uh, my Twitter is is what my name is there. It's Andy, just with an underscore in the middle of Diosa, uh, which is what I use mostly for for my coverage, I, I do Galaxy, do LAFC, and 
MLS as a whole. So go ahead and give me a follow. We can interact and I'll be having stories out there, you know, talking about whatever's happening, whatever's on my mind. Um, yeah, that's really, that's really it. I'm excited. I'm excited for uh, this weekend. It should be a good one, regardless of who's on the field and who's not. Yeah, no, it's going to be exciting. Guys, thank you guys for tuning in. Who's who's watching the, the YouTube? Everybody listening. Obviously, you guys can interact with us every Monday night. We talk LA Galaxy. So tune in with us on Monday on Facebook, Twitter, and, uh, and YouTube. If you guys want to follow me, you can follow me at Gio Garcia LA on Twitter as well. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your music on Spotify. We're on there as well. Uh, you can follow us on LA Soccer Hub on all the social media platforms. So for Nikki and Andy, this is Jill. We'll catch you guys next time. Bye, everybody.